9 to Thrive, a podcast about creating a life that doesn't suck. I'm your host, Janet McKenna-Lowry, and today I'm chatting with Angela Patrick-Silva about her journey from meteorology to radiology, her work fundraising for bone marrow and cancer charities, and her entrepreneurial project, Angela's Stitchin' Styles. Hi, Angela. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Great. I'm glad you could join me. So what we do is we talk about work and community and creativity. So why don't we start with work? Why don't you just talk a little bit about what it is you do and how you got there? Okay, sure. Um, So I am a CAT scan and radiology tech at a local community hospital. I have been in this field since... Let's see. Since 2006, it's actually a second career for me. I went to a traditional four-year college and got a bachelor's degree in geography with emphasis in meteorology. Oh. And yeah. And then once I graduated, found out that unless you, you know, want to pursue a master's and then PhD or work on television or teach, and none of those were really things that I I wanted to do. You weren't heading for weather girl. (laughs) That was not, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of guidance when I was choosing a major. Mm. I just, I, I took an intro neurology class to satisfy a science requirement in my freshman year. Yeah. And it was actually, it was really interesting. I was really good at it. Like I'm, I'm a science nerd and I, I mean, I do like the weather. I have the weather channel on most of the time in the house, hanging on my dogs about to bark. Quiet. Quiet, quiet, quiet. (laughs) So sorry about that. Joining us is. <laughs> yes, is, this is Athena. She's wanting us to know that there are people outside. Great. She's saving me from them currently. <laughs> so yeah, so it was it was a class that I took. It was interesting. It came fairly easily to me. It um, is cool. And the, I mean, it's, it's cool. It was, it was definitely interesting. Um, and the, the professor that taught me the intro class was like, you're really good at this. She considered as a major. And I did. But then there wasn't much as far as like career counseling after Mm. that. And so then I graduated and I was like, oh, Mm. okay. (laughs) So I did a couple couple of years of office work and Uh went crazy doing that and then (laughs) decided to go back to school and did a two-year program to get my degree and certification in radiology technology. Mm -hmm. Also sciencey. Also sciencey. It was that I really loved. And I, I actually, I really love what I do. There are, are really sad parts of my job, you mm. know, the, the, but I mean, there are really, really great parts of my job. Oh, I just wanted to ask. So the sad parts, is that because you see stuff and you know what it is and what's yeah. coming down the pike yeah, for like, people? Well, yes. So yeah, like we'll scan somebody and it's the middle of the night and, you know, I've been doing this long enough to know what is like, what's cancer. And Mm. I'll be like, Oh, great. And then I have to go back out because it's not, it's not my, my job or my expertise to actually give results. Right. It has to go through like a diagnostician first. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like that's, that's uh, for the medical doctors to do. Yeah. So I have to go out and, and pretty much just be normal and, and, you know, get them up and going. That's kind of Academy award winning. Wow. Yeah, I mean it's and it's like at first I I like wouldn't make eye contact with them and then I I just got more and more comfortable because I I feel like if I were in that situation and the person who scanned me wouldn't make eye contact with me and right you know it was just kind of cagey I think that would put me more on edge so I've I've had to 
to train myself to, to get better at that. That is a wild side of that, that I have never considered that like, you will know stuff and be unable. It's almost like being a UN interpreter. Like you will know stuff and be unable ethically to show it. To say anything. Right. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, not anybody. even to say anything, like, I can't even... to show anything. Like, right. oh my God. Yeah. Wow. And like we can usually like, you know, between like if my coworkers there with me, like afterwards, we can just be like, oh my gosh. But like, yeah, you know, I can't come home and tell my husband about it. I can't right. talk to my friends about it. Right. You know, because that's, you know, it's, it's an ethical violation. Right. You know, so it's just, that part's tough. Um, Luckily at, at night we don't get that as often. Mm. Um, At night it's more, a lot of times drunk college kids, which is a whole, (laughs) God, (laughs) a whole nother realm of ridiculousness. Oh my God. Yeah, yes. I can imagine. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I couldn't, but I can. <laughs> What's the biggest challenge of the job? Or did you just tell me that? Is that what it is? From from the job itself? Yes. Um, from my position, I work overnight. Mm. And I have four, almost five-year-old. So that logistically right now is the toughest part because I, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky enough. I only work three nights a week and two of those nights are fall every other weekend so on those days you know my husband is here I'm able to sleep he you know has daddy Tegan weekend Hmm. there are other days where you know I work a Sunday night and then Monday it's me and her until she goes to preschool Mm, mm. so on on those days I pretty much I just stay up that's a long day yeah that's a long and it's a very long day (laughs) and then usually by 7 7 30 I'm passed out on the couch like (laughs) it's just (laughs) everybody's bedtime exactly yeah well he he does bedtime most of the time anyway because usually by by then because he works all day he doesn't get to see her right and by then I'm I'm like here you go take her (laughs) I don't remember words anymore (laughs) (laughs) I mommy just wants to sit quietly with <laughs> no one in her face. What's your favorite part of it? Of the the job, mm-hmm. I, getting to to have some adult conversation is always great. Um, <laughs> whether it's you know with my coworkers or with the patients, I most of the patients, you know, even if you know they're sick or they're injured, most of them are pretty pleasant given the situation. So we can chat a little bit about them, about their family. They'll usually, you know, I have a picture of my daughter on my badge. So mm. they'll, they'll ask me about her and we can talk a little bit about that. So it's just getting to, to meet people. Sometimes, we, you know, we have people that come in regularly for whatever reason and, and get to know them and kind of their story. Mm. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So how long have you been doing the radiology? So I have been doing radiology um just as far as x-ray goes since 2006 Mm. Um, that's when i graduated from school and i initially worked at a children's hospital in tennessee which was awesome i loved it it i i love working with kids even to this day and whenever we get a pediatric patient i just kind of take over and i'm (laughs) like yep here we go (laughs) you know it's Kids are great. Kids can have like appendicitis or a broken arm and they don't care. They want to play and their stickers, you know, <laughs> they're, they're, they just bounce and they're like, oh yeah, okay, where's my sticker? And why CAT scan and radiology? What, what was the draw there? So radiology 
was I actually had a friend who had gone through the radiology program and was enjoying her job. And I originally started to plan to go into nursing mm. when it's, you know, cause it's, it's, it's a helping profession and, you know, from a, a job standpoint, there's, you're pretty much always going to have job opportunities in healthcare. Mm. So, you know, that was kind of the, the pragmatic side of me kicking in. Right. Right. And actually I became a nursing assistant and I worked on a floor in a hospital and very quickly decided that nursing was not for me. Mm. I just, you know, nurses are amazing. God bless them Mm. for what they do and what they put up with. It was not for me. Mm. Um, So I actually ran ran into my friend. She's like, you know, you should come down and shadow. So I hung out in their department for a few days and really, you know, I liked the flow of it. I liked the, just from the anatomy and physiology standpoint of, seeing the images and it's all kind of clicked in my brain and for the profession you have to get your two-year certification in mm. radiology and then for CAT scan that was something that I had to train on the job and mm. then I had to demonstrate proficiency in certain exams mm. to get certified to work in CAT scan mm. and that I, I finished that in 2009. Oh I okay think. is that good where you are or are there like is there like a path after that where you do more and more and more things? So I'm not really familiar I, with what happens. If I chose to, mm. if I chose to, I could, I could do the same thing, you know, as far as I could specialize like in MRI, mammography, I'm trying to think if I wanted to go into like sonography, that's a whole separate like two. Oh, process. sonograms. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Right now, I'm pretty much okay with where I'm at. Mm. I enjoy what I do. For the challenges of working third shift, it, it actually works really well for our family. Mm. You know, because we don't have to really worry about childcare except one day a week. Right. Which is, which is really helpful. Right. And I mean, I do, as, as challenging as my daughter is right now, I, I like being home with her. And I like oh, yeah. to drop her off at school and pick her up and, you know, do, do all those fun things. Yeah. Um, five is an endurance race. I have to say the half, the half year before and then five mm-hmm. and then the half year afterwards is just sheer endurance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's really starting to, to assert herself. And I mean, you, you've met her. She was already, you know, a very she assertive, a lively you know, and delightful child. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yes. She would go far. <laughs> it's wonderful. You know, you yeah. know what, this, these, these skills are really going to serve her well later in life. Yeah, they are. I can survive till then. They are. And I always <laughs> think, you know, we're raising, we're raising adults, not children. They say you're raising children mm-hmm. and that is not true. You're raising adults and that will be awesome. <laughs> 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 so let's move a little bit on to community. I know your family volunteers a lot. What are some of the causes that are near and dear to you? One of the big causes that is really special to us is raising money for children who have leukemia. One of my friends who has a son who is the same age as Tegan, when he was 18 months old, they found out that he had neuroblastoma, which is a type of cancer that develops on nerve cells. And so he had a pretty large tumor actually in his abdomen that they... They used radiation and chemo. They were able to shrink the tumor, and then they were able to to operate to get the last bit out. And then a year later, he started having leg pain, 
And it turned out that the chemotherapy that they used to cure the neuroblastoma gave him leukemia. Oh, no. So, luckily, his six-year-old sister was a match for bone marrow donation. And she was able to donate. And it was a very long process. But he's now in remission. Wow. And he's... He's in preschool. He's oh. gearing up to go to kindergarten in the fall. I'm so and glad this is a happy story. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so often it's not. Right? Yeah. Um, and so a lot of what my husband and I do, we we help out with a foundation called the Luke Stronger Foundation that they hold fundraisers every year. Usually it's it's to help one specific family each year whose child is dealing with um, usually leukemia because their their son Luke had leukemia and actually just went through a second bone marrow transplant a little over a year ago, wow. and he's actually out of the woods now. The last I heard, wow! But we were really big into getting people signed up mm-hmm. to become bone marrow donors. Mm-hmm. So if you're not signed up, you definitely should. It's I, a very quick process. There are I no will. needles involved. Okay, you you do a cheek swab. And they they are able to get your DNA profile from that, and then hopefully you get matched with a you know with someone who needs a donor. And then the donation process is a lot easier now that you don't actually they don't drill into your hip anymore like they used to. Oh, so I mean on on the on the donors end, it's not painless, but it's a much easier process. What do they do now and then? Instead, what did they, where did they get it? So now what they do in most cases, they I believe they give you. A medication, and I can't think of what it's called, but it increases the stem cells in your blood. Whoa. And so they're most of the time they're able to use that. Oh my God. That's instead. amazing. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's and amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm an, or- yeah. I'm an organ donor already, but you've sold me. I will, I will look into that. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah. My husband and I, we're registered. Bjorn has become friends with the, the woman who does registrations for the Northeast. And so anytime he has an event like at the college where he works or an event that we're volunteering at, he contacts her and gets her to come down to sign people up. And actually one of the people that he got to sign up matched with someone. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So they were able to donate and, you know, hopefully help save somebody's life. Yeah. That's incredible. Wow. Wow. That is very cool. So that's a, Luke Stronger, is that what that's called? Is that um, the- so the Luke, the Luke Stronger Foundation is a, it's an organization here in Western Mass that they raise money for families whose children are battling leukemia. Nice. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And actually in a couple of weeks, my husband is going to get his head shaved for the St. Baldrick's Foundation. He's raising money. And that again is for, to help kids who have cancer (laughs) so how does that work (laughs) (laughs) so it's it's basically it's like any any kind of charity drive you you put out the call you have people donate and then on a certain day this year it's march 24th at the hangar in amherst they're gonna have people they're gonna have cosmetologists come in and shave people's heads And actually, this is the third year that Bjorn's doing it. And last year, Tegan actually got to start the process of shaving his head. <laughs> so the pictures of that, it's great. I'm like lo- one of him went to where like the, the clippers got a little too too into his head. So that was a four-year-old or an almost four-year-old wielding a pair of like a, sh- a head electric her, shaver? 
Yes, she had just turned four. <laughs> and yeah. That's a brave, so, I mean, brave man. He's going totally bald anyway. So <laughs> why not? And she got a kick out of it. <laughs> and is there a regular group that, that does this? Is there like, it's definitely a community activity, but does it also kind of bring people face to face as well? Is there like groups that get together to do this? With the the St. Baldrick's, I believe is also the event in Amherst is, I believe the Luke Stronger Foundation also spearheads that. Mm. And the St. Baldrick's events, those are actually nationwide. Ah. That's a nationwide organization. And actually, um, Rob Gronkowski from the Patriots, this that's kind of his pet charity. Okay. Like he, he raises money for that as well. Did you say that before? Is that a children's charity as well? Or is that... It is. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's for, um, to raise money for families whose children have cancer. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's very cool. Are you going to go bald? You know, I've thought about it. Yeah. I'm actually, I, I got a really bad haircut a few months ago and I'm trying to grow it out and it's just driving me crazy. (laughs) And I really kind of want to shave my head, but I don't know. I think it's one of those things that I would want to do it and then like have my hair back the next day. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like just do it to have the experience, but I don't know that I would want to like rock the ball for, for too too <laughs> yeah. long, especially in for New like England. Four months, yeah. Oh, cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is there exactly. a component of donating hair too, or is it really mostly guys with short hair? So, you know, I I don't know. Just curious. I've, I've seen women at that event mm. that have had their. They may not like go completely shave their head completely. A lot of them get like mohawks or something mm, done. Or buzz cut. Yeah. Yeah, buzz cut. But I mean. I would think that if you went in with your hair in a ponytail and, and just told the cosmetologist, you know, mm. I want you to, to cut this so I can donate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I you might be able see. to yeah. might be able to combine that. Because my kids did that a couple times. They grew their hair super yeah. long and then cut it all off completely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not to bald yeah, or to buzz, that. but but right. very short. <laughs> pixie. They went from they went right. from Little House on the Prairie Braids to Pixie like in one day. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> a little shocking, but wonderful. But also like, wow, oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big difference yeah. in the look. <laughs> oh man, that's great! And so, how can people get involved in these? How did how did you get? In, I mean, you had a friend in in Luke Stronger, right? Or did you know her before that happened? Um, I, yes, I actually knew her before that happened. We were in a pregnancy due date group together because uh-huh. we were both due in March of 2014. So that's how we met. And it was actually, you know, women from all over the country that were in this group. It was a Facebook oh. group. Oh. And we just happened to, to find out, like, she lives in Granby. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I live in Northampton. Mm. So, you know, we met up for play dates because our children were the same age and just worked out really well. And then, you know, she found out that, that he was sick. And she had mentioned that the this found, the Luke Stronger Foundation was gonna have a fundraiser for them so we jumped in Mm. you know headlong that was the first time that we had actually really gotten involved in a big charity event like that Mm. and like loved it and then from then on that's when Bjorn found out about the St. Baldrick's events and so we've been doing that for three years Mm. and then how often are are any of the events for these things are they kind of ongoing through the year do they do one big thing a year what what happens so the St. Baldrick's, at least for this area, they do one big thing every March. Mm. Um, they have a, a big event. It's usually at the hangar in Amherst. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the Luke Stronger event, they generally have one big fundraiser in, I believe it's towards the end of June. They have like a little golf tournament. Mm, okay. And so that's, you know, that's a pretty, pretty big event. They, you know, they raise, I believe the last time they raised over $25,000. Oh, cool. For the family that they were helping. So, I mean, it's, it's a good amount of money and that all goes to that family. Yeah. But that's pretty manageable for participants that just that it's, you know, like a, a commitment for a big event once a year for any of these. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, it's, you know, we, we do, there was a while where Bjorn was helping with like so many fundraisers and it's kind of like people kind of have donation fatigue where it's like, okay, well I donated to three other events and, oh yeah, you know, I just can't, I can't do that anymore. So it kind of helps to have them spaced out through the year. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's wonderful. And then, so the third thing I wanted to ask you about, because this is very cool, and this actually kind of comes a little bit under work, but your creative life is pretty active. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And growing. It's wonderful. Because I'm I'm a crazy person. I don't know how to relax. So talk a little bit about what you do. So about a year ago, I've always sewn and I've, I'm a knitter and pretty much anything craft or hobby related, I've tried at least once. Um, a lot of times I like to say that I have project ADD because I'll you know start something and get really excited about it. And then I get distracted by some other cool thing that I've seen. But I've always, I learned to sew in high school in home economics, which I think is now called life skills maybe in school. And I don't know that um, they teach sewing anymore either. I think it's more like balance, oh. you know, like your bank account. I don't know that they really do any sewing. Oh. Yeah. Sewing. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, all right. That shows how old I am. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Maybe they do. I hope but, they still do. It's really useful to know how how things are made. Yeah, I I agree. So I've you know I've made clothes for my daughter and just got more and more into it, and then I made a purse for myself and started posting pictures on Facebook and Instagram, and had more and more people that were like, oh my gosh, you know this is really cool. Do you sell these? And I had enough people asking me commissions that I started making, you know, clothing. I mostly children's clothing and purses and tote bags. That's awesome. Yes. So everything is done out of my right now. It's my dining room, but we're actually getting ready to convert our bedrooms really large. So we're going to convert a corner of our bedroom into my workspace. Oh wow! Just so I can have a a space of my own, and I'm not competing you know, with everybody eating? in the dining room with like eating. I am right now. <laughs> everybody with move eating, aside. With, you know, yeah, with just life in general, because it seems like everything gets dumped on the dining room table. Yeah. So it's, I really enjoy it. The tough part sometimes is finding time to, to get work done. Mm. It's actually, I, I started making things pretty much full bore last summer and then while we were last summer was just disastrous while we were on vacation my husband developed pancreatitis oh no while we were on vacation in new hampshire he actually ended up spending the entire week in a hospital in new hampshire oh poor guy (laughs) and then 
we, you know, we got home. He was okay for a couple of weeks. And then it happened again. He ended up having to have his gallbladder taken out Whoa. about a month later. So it was just like every, every time I would get like a good rhythm going as far as being creative and, and getting work done, something else would happen that would derail it. But I think, you know, knock on wood, I think we're all healthy and we're kind of settling into routines again mm. just I'm counting down the days until my daughter starts kindergarten because then she'll be in school all day yeah and I can hopefully get more done yeah well how <laughs> much I have to what would be optimum for you like what would be the perfect balance honestly if I could quit my my regular job and do this yeah I would love it yeah yeah you'd like to get to a point where it was like a tipping point yes yeah I absolutely would yeah. I, don't, I don't know that I'll ever get to that point um, just because I've been in, I've been at my job for so long as far as, as pay goes, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know that making stuff out of, out of my house, I would ever get to that point, but that's my, that's my dream. Mm. That's my plan. Yeah. I'd love to get to that point. That's entrepreneurial. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> and do you find that like word of mouth has kind of been building? Yeah, actually I've had, um, a couple of commissions that I've made are people that I've never even met that have been friends of friends. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've made, I've made like a purse for a friend and then one of their friends saw it and they're like, Oh my gosh, you know, that's so cool. And then they put them in contact with me and I ended up making something for them. Oh, nice. So yeah. Nice. Wow. And then do you have any limits? Do you have anything that's like, you know, do you make stuff for adults? Um, I can or- make stuff for adults. It's just, it's, you know, handmade clothing is expensive. Mm. It just, you know, from the materials and the time that's involved. So for a, a dress or a shirt would be, you know, $65, $70. And a lot of times people go to Navy or Target, you know, and get right. a it's, dress for 20 bucks. It's basically bespoke. Um, yeah. You're, you're a bespoke tailor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I would go that far, but, you know, I like uh, like what I do, it's it's custom. Some of the fabrics that I use are really hard to find. The, the artwork that's used on them, the artist will only run a certain amount. So the fabric that I use is rare, which, you know, drives up the price on that. That's um, kind of cool. How do you find you know, that? Oh, Facebook. There are mm. so many so many indie fabric designers on mm. Facebook that have their own groups that, and some of them have amazing artwork mm. and it's to be able to get a lot of times they'll do like a pre-order. So you're guaranteed to get some, but sometimes it's just retail and, and you try to buy it and hope that you can check out in time on PayPal before someone else gets it. <laughs> tick, tick, tick. That's wonderful. <laughs> so is that something you'd be tempted to do is exactly. make, make your own fabric and, get into that I don't think so only because I'm while I'm creative I am not I I don't really draw or paint Mm -hmm. I've never I've never really been able I don't have that ability Mm. um Mm. to really do that well that's that's not a next in other words no that's not a next for me no yeah one thing I am thinking about doing is getting into making tumblers like coffee like the iced coffee tumblers Uh uh-huh um, there are ways to to decorate those and then cover them in resin so that they're sealed. But I'll have to get my workspace set up before I can. That's a cool. Do that. That's a cool process, huh? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's, it's. I've been watching videos and following people online trying to figure out how to do it, and it, it looks really cool. It's just a matter of getting my setup going. 
I have a friend who morphed from clothes into shoes not too long oh. ago. Oh, I'm actually, that is a project I just started is taking a pair of Converse and I'm um, in the process of ripping, ripping them apart down to the soles. Oh, wow. And I'm going to... I'm going to hand draft patterns from the pieces and basically rebuild a pair of Converse and the sole up. (laughs) That's pretty neat. Are you going to use canvas (laughs) or some other fabric? I'm going to use, it's actually um, cotton, just like a, it's like called a quilting cotton. So it's not, not super thick like canvas, but it's like got a good weight to it. Uh And then I'll add interfacing to the back of that to make it heavier and more durable. Uh-huh. And then I'll wind I'll wind the shoes with a lightweight canvas and then install grommets and oh, nice. all that good stuff and then glue glue it back onto the sole wow. of the shoe. So I mean I imagine a lot of people took Homac and then just never touched it again. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's fair to say. I I don't know. My mom was a seamstress. Mm. So I don't know if I just have, you know, some inherent interest towards that yeah I don't know I just I enjoy I enjoy it like I call it crafting but I mean I I don't know what else to call it but crafting to me kind of sounds like I don't know how to I don't know how to say what I'm wanting to say old-fashioned afghans or something someone pointed out to me not too long ago that as soon as a lot of nerdy guys got into crafting. They started to call it making, like makers oh, and maker yes, space. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she was like, you know, reclaiming that's crafting. And what we do is also yeah. making like it's it's all the same activity. It is not a gendered activity. Use both right. names yeah. interchangeably. It does not matter whether you put LEDs on it. Or if you right. had, or or if you have bespoke fabric, they are both maker activities. <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. <laughs> I kind of like that. I kind of like the idea of reclaiming it from, you know, mm-hmm. just just this sense of, uh, you know, when women do it, it's sort of old fashioned or, or you know, sort of like regular, Cutesy yeah, whatever, yeah. yeah. And that when 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 nerdy guys do it, it should suddenly be honored in some nerd right. way Serious when in fact business. yeah exactly yeah. when in fact everyone's just kind of learning the stuff lots of times online and trying to yeah. make what they see which i think is awesome like i think we need way more of this oh yeah absolutely and the the fun part is like my daughter is she's very into like watching me and i've actually had her sit on my lap and she'll like help feed fabric through the sewing machine and she's, nice. she's asked repeatedly for a sewing machine of her own I think we're probably going to hold off on that for probably another year or two, just because I don't want to deal with an emergency room visit at this point (laughs) Yeah, from a a needle through the finger. (laughs) Although, yeah, she like, she's already, she sits her toys down and she has, she like hosts her own little YouTube show. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, like she'll, she'll like, okay guys. And today we're going to make blah, 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 blah. And we're going to use this and we're going (laughs) to use this and, Like, you know what? Good for you. Does that interest you? Do you document your process? I do um, in pictures. Mm -hmm. I've never done like a a video tutorial or anything just because I'm not one. You know, I'm trying to squeeze what I do into little 
hour long segments. That is something I, I wouldn't mind doing if it, if I get proficient at something enough to to feel like I can make a video that will be helpful to somebody. Yeah, once, once you have your your space set up, just put in a couple of webcams and off we go. Right, exactly. <laughs> or or wait until your daughter's old enough and can be your camera operator. Oh gosh. <laughs> I don't know. She's like, she's a little dictator. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Director, producer. Direct. Yes. There we go. Yes. Let's rephrase that. <laughs> she's a, she likes things just so. Yeah. And she has her own vision. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, so I, I have one more, I have, I have one more question I want to ask. I, it can go either way, either. Okay. Either. The the typical one, it's kind of a typical interview question, but I always like it. And that is, you know, what do you wish your younger self knew? Like, what would you tell your younger self? But then recently, one of my guests flipped it and she said, I want to know what my older self would tell me. So I like both of those now equally. Oh. <laughs> and, I and I can't decide which one to ask. So. Right. Um, <laughs> hmm. That's good. I would probably... I would probably to my younger self to to do what I wanted to do and to not listen some people in my life that weren't super supportive of things that I wanted to do. And mm. a lot of times I let them talk me out of whatever it was. And now, you know, I'm 40 and I'm like kicking myself sometimes over things I didn't pursue. Mm. So that would be a big one if I could go back 20 years and kind of shake my, you know, 20, 21 year old self. Mm. That would that would be a big one is yeah. to, you know, do what you want to do. Don't listen to other people, you know, yeah. surround yourself with people who are supportive and everybody else can take a hike. Yeah. Yeah. That is such a vulnerable age because you... Mm -hmm. have no frame of reference and you've suddenly become adult an adult and the only people that can mm -hmm. tell you what it's like are these adults and they all have agendas yes <laughs> yeah and like the environment i was raised in i was raised in a fundamentalist church mm. a very sheltered upbringing so you know when i started making my way out into the world i had no clue oh yeah i had no clue wow that's yeah. a that's a pretty long journey wow yeah <laughs> <laughs> been an interesting 20 years so are there any other creative skills that you're like looking forward to doing there's the tumblr one which makes it the, sound um, yeah tumblr one i'm yeah. i'm really kind of shifting more towards bag making as away from i'm shifting away from making clothing i still do that but i'm really really liking making bags right now like handbags and wallets and uh -huh. that's going to be like i think my next big investment material wise and, and machine wise is to get um a machine that can sew bags and do like embroidery and oh cool um go more that direction mm, mm. that's yeah do you find that you so hit maybe. do you find that you hit like a plateau of mastery and then you just look for like something else oh yeah yeah definitely and that's that's kind of been that's been my mo long like i you know I was, I did crochet and got really proficient at crochet. And then I switched to knitting and knitting took me forever to, to get the hang of. And then got to the point where I would try more and more challenging patterns in knitting and then just kind of got bored with that. And then mm. I kind of pivoted back to sewing, started with like quilting and, and got really good at that. Yeah. So yeah, each time I, I get kind of proficient at something, I 
kind of pivot away. That's what it, else. that's what a job coach once told me. She said, you're wired in such a way and, and lots of people are. So don't stick with something mm-hmm. after you are done with it because it's perfectly reasonable to give yourself a new challenge and move on. And I was like, yeah. Oh, thank God, because I kept feeling like I just got here and everyone expects me to do this now. And I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. I want to do something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's been my that's been my my life, at least as far as as crafting and making goes. Mm. Mm. Well, this is this is really great. Uh, is there anything else you want to chat about? Or um, have we covered all of it? I I think we've covered pretty much all of it. I'm that's I'm good. I have nothing else coming in mind. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, best of luck. I love that. I love that you've got sort of this spooling out plan to make room for your creative work and make time for your creative work. And I mean, it's always good to have people have. There's a Japanese concept called ikigai, which is five things, but like what you can be paid for and what you can enjoy, and you know, just sort of balancing all those things. Yeah, it, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. (laughs) Good night. Good night. Bye-bye. I'd like to thank Angela for taking the time to talk with me today. I got such an insight into what it's like to be on the other side of the x-ray and the thoughtful compassion that health workers bring every day. Links to all the awesome things we talked about will be in the episode notes at working9tothrive.com. That's it for this week's 9 to Thrive podcast. Be sure to visit working9tothrive.com, that's with the number 9, to access links, info, and to join the conversation. We're on Twitter, at 9tothrive, and Facebook, at Working9tothrive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.